Good morning, and happy Mother's Day to the mothers that are with us. Just watching that video and I enjoyed seeing the, the little cartoon drawings and the one with Mary sitting there praying while her son hung on the cross. Hard to imagine, isn't it? Hard to imagine, but we know what happened three days later, amen? Rose from the grave. Well, years ago on Mother's Day, there was a little five-year-old boy who desperately wanted to get his mother a gift, but he had no money, of course, because he was five years old, and it's against the law to work a five-year-old, as we know, right? So he made her a handwritten card, and his mother thought it was the best thing that she had ever received. As I'm sure if you've had that before, you would agree. But the little boy didn't understand why his mother thought that his little handwritten card was, was so wonderful. Uh, and he didn't grow up in a very wealthy house, and, and he looked around the house and he saw things that were broken in the house, things that needed to be replaced, things that were in disrepair. And so he thought about it for a minute and, and he told his mother, he said, Mom, when I grow up, I'm going to work hard and I'm going to make a lot of money. And when I make enough money, I'm going to buy you some real gifts. I'm going to buy you an electric can opener. I'm going to buy you an electric toaster. I'm going to buy you an electric stove, and finally, after I save up all my money, I'm going to buy you an electric chair. <laughs> Those kind of comments reveal the joy of motherhood, don't they, sometimes, right? They, the joy of motherhood. They say all sorts of things. Right? I once heard someone say that the joy of motherhood is what a woman experiences when all the children have gone to bed, and that same woman was asked if she had to do it all over again, would she have children? And she said, yes, but not the same ones. <laughs> <laughs> all joking aside, Mother's Day presents an opportunity to look at stories of women in the Bible. You know, when the New Testament was written, uh, women had, during that time period, women had little to no rights. Jewish culture, Greek culture, Roman culture. A woman's testimony didn't even count in a court of law. They couldn't even be a witness. But because God created women in equal in essence to men, they too bear the image of God. And so because of this, the Bible, God's book, is filled with stories of women who love God and love Jesus. If you're going to make up a religion 2,000 years ago, you sure wouldn't put women in it if you wanted people to believe it. That's how bad it was. They would be a hindrance to your case but Christianity is not made up. The story of Jesus is real, and God's word is true. So today we're looking at a story of a woman who lived for the glory of God. We're going to see what we can learn from her life. We're in Acts chapter 9, starting in verse 36. Now there was in Joppa a disciple named Tabitha which translated means Dorcas. You can see why she went by Tabitha, right? She was, she was full of good works and acts of charity. And in those days, she became ill and died. And when they had washed her, they laid her in an upper room. And since Lydda was near Joppa, the disciples, hearing that Peter was there, sent two men to him, urging him, please, Come to us without delay. 
So Peter rose and went with them. And when he arrived, they took him to the upper room. And all the widows stood beside him weeping and showing tunics and other garments that Dorcas made while she was with them. But Peter put them all outside and knelt down and prayed. And turning to the body, he said, Tabitha, arise. And she opened her eyes. And when she saw Peter, she sat up. And he gave her his hand and raised her up. Then, calling the saints and widows, he presented her alive. And it became known throughout all Joppa, and many believed in the Lord. And he stayed in Joppa for many days with one Simon, a tanner. Heavenly Father, as we take time out of our day today, as the world and our culture celebrates mothers, we do too, we don't forget that it's still Sunday. And we celebrate Jesus today as well. So Lord, we thank you that you give us a Bible filled with stories of mothers and women that loved you. And so that those of us that are here today can see godly examples, what it looks like to be a person that loves the Lord. Father, I pray that you would show us today what you would want us to see in the life and the death and the resurrection of Tabitha. And you would show us how we can bring glory to you in our lives. Father, I pray that you uh, preach through me today that my words are your words. That you fill me with your spirit in Jesus' name. Amen. Today I want to show you three things about the glory of God. Three things about the glory of God in this story. Number one, uh, we need to be ready to live for the glory of God. We need to be ready to live for the glory of God. And if you're a Christian or if you've been in church long enough, this is not a new concept, living for the glory of God. You've probably heard it, but it is very easy to not do if we are not mindful about it. It's very easy to not do if we are not mindful about it. Verse 36 says that there was a disciple named Tabitha, which translated means Dorcas, and it says that she was full of good works and acts of charity. Now, Joppa was a harbor town just west of Jerusalem. Philip, who was a disciple, uh, he was a, an apostle, he was an evangelist, he first preached to the citizens of Joppa, and many came to faith. So a church formed in that city. And among those who believed was a woman named Tabitha, which was her Aramaic name, which in the Greek is translated Dorcas. And because of Christ, she became a woman who was full of good works and acts of charity. And the literal translation says this, that she was abounding with deeds of kindness and charity. Abounding. Full of. Just everywhere she went, there were good acts of and loving acts. The SV leaves out one clause also that says that which she continually did. She abounded with good works and loving works that she did continually. So Tabitha was a disciple of Christ who was continually doing good things for others 
and loving others. Why? Because she was changed. She was a disciple of Jesus Christ. She had been saved. She was now not living for herself. She was living for others. In fact, if it was Mother's Day, Tapitha would say, don't make it about me. <laughs> she would go around and she would continue to serve those in her life. But then, verse 37 says this. In those days, she became ill and died. And when they had washed her, they laid her in an upper room. Now, many houses had these upper rooms. I guess they're kind of similar like what we would call a fully furnished room over the garage kind of thing, right? Uh, but in these rooms, they were, they were kind of like guest rooms. This is where the guests would stay. And Tabitha's body was laid there temporarily because she would be buried either later in the day or the next day. There was a, there was a quick turnaround because of the hot climate. Uh, there's a pretty quick turnaround on a, on a dead body. It would be embalmed and then be buried. So she was just there briefly. There's a brief window where that body would be laying there. Just a matter of hours or maybe even just a day. And Luke gives us these details for us to know that she was indeed dead, and just an hour, a few hours later, uh, she would be buried. And even though Tabitha had lived uh, the, these latter days of her life, for the Lord, she, she still got sick. You know, she, still got, she still couldn't escape whatever sickness was there. We don't know what type of sickness it was. We don't know if there was a, a pandemic. <laughs> we don't know if there was a, was a, was a bacteria we don't know what it was, but she got sick, and the sickness took her life. But she lived a life where she glorified God continually. Incidentally, the Bible tells us to live like this. Look at 1 Corinthians 10, 31. Paul says, so whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. Whether you're just eating, whether you're drinking, Simple things like that, that we do every day. Unloading the dishwasher, raking the yard, just your everyday mundane tasks live for the glory of God. Now, the context of this verse surrounds a particular controversy to which Paul was having to shed some light to the readers. Some believers were teaching a doctrine that if one wanted to follow Christ truly, that they couldn't eat certain foods. And by teaching this, this heresy, this group of believers were advocating a certain form of legalism. They were saying, yeah, you can follow Christ, but you can't eat these foods. If you're, real, if you're a real Christian, you're not going to eat these things. So Paul counteracts this false teaching by underscoring that all activities that aren't sinful can be redeemed. So when you find yourself in a situation where, where some may be led to stumble, but others may not, you participate in this activity with one thing in mind. Does my participation in this bring glory to God? Or how can I bring glory to God in this situation? See, the question we need to ask ourselves when faced with what seems to be possibly a morally ambiguous situation is not how close can I get 
to sin without sinning? That's not the question we should ask. The question we should ask is, how can I bring glory to God in this activity? It's not, what can I get away with? What can I walk? Can I walk to the line of sin without falling off? That shouldn't be what's in our mind. What's in our mind should be, how can I bring glory to God in this situation? See, if we're just worried about sinning, worried about breaking God's law, we're just legalists. We're just moralists. We're no different than the Pharisees. But if we know Jesus, we shouldn't be concerned with, did I sin? We should be concerned with, did I bring God glory? We're bringing God glory. We're not sinning. This type of thinking should permeate even the most mundane and ordinary parts of life. You know, yesterday I took the children across the street to our new little coffee shop. Y'all know where it is, and y'all remember, you know, uh, what it used to be and everything. And, and so we went over there and, and uh, went over there and just, just got some treats, and I got me a drink. We just sat outside. It was, it was perfect weather. There was a cool breeze sitting out there in the shade. The three-year-old was behaving wonderfully, probably because they had a big bounce castle out there. You know, and, and, and it was just, it was just a, a, a day for us to, to just enjoy. And, and I had the sermon on my mind, so I was trying to think about how I could just glorify God in this, in this place, right? And, and, and for me, how can I bring glory to God? Well, you know, there's certain things. There's a long line, you know, long line because it was kind of a grand opening kind of thing, even though we were in the morning. Uh, so, you know, for me, hey, let's not get frustrated with this long line. We're just here to glorify God. Amen? It also looked like, hey, I'll be nice to this checkout lady who obviously was, was, was ruffled because, because of everything. They were messing up orders. A couple orders were messed up. Not mine, but a couple orders were messed up and things like that because they were busy. You know? But I was just enjoying it. Be nice to the lady who's working. right? Try to bring a calming presence to the people who were around me. At one point, the wind blew and they had this base of uh, plants and it knocked over and water spilled over there and I was the only person that saw it. So I went over there and I picked it up, you know, put it back. Now I tell you all this, not to tell you what a great person I am, okay? <laughs> Just tell you how it looked in my life if, if you're mindful about bringing glory to God. It directs, it changes your actions. If you're not, you could end up like what happened in the Krispy Kreme in Spartanburg this weekend. Did you hear about that? Well, I'll read it to you. A man and a woman started an argument in the drive-thru line of the Krispy Kreme in Spartanburg. Started an argument with the drive-thru employee. And according to the police report, the argument started because the suspect wanted donuts that Krispy Kreme did not have available. I'm reading it right out of the article here. Wanted donuts they did not have, and so they started arguing as if the employee could do anything about it, I guess. I don't know. The drive-thru employee, here's where it got, got bad, agreed to fight the male suspect if that's what the suspect really wanted. <laughs> so the employee went to the front door to argue with the suspects. Anyway, a fight ensued and all that kind of happened. And, 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 and all that happened. Why? Because they wanted donuts and the employee said, we don't have it. When you come around here and I'll show you what we do have, all right? That's essentially what he said. Now imagine if the people in the car and the employee's mindset was, how can I bring glory to God? 
They would not have been concerned about their favorite donut not being ready. Amen. Just in the mundane situations of life. It makes a big difference where our mindset is. Am I bringing glory to God? See, as a Christian, we no longer have to live this life of, can I sin or not? Or, you know, why don't you have that? I deserve this. Well, Krispy Kremes are good. And there's only one in Spartanburg. So, but still, because of Jesus, we've been freed from that life. See, God raises the bar much higher than just, let's not sin. Or, hey, why do you have what I need? The bar is much higher. But it's also easier in a way when we submit to the Lord and surrender to him. And Jesus changes our heart. We allow him, then it gets easier to live in such a way. Tabitha had this life. She was full of good works. She was full of love. And when you're living a life like that, you're not worried about yourself. You're not worried about, hey, did I sin or not? You're worried about living for God's glory. So you start to see people not as, as, not as, as employees who didn't get your order right. You start seeing them as people made in the image of God. Just like you. Look what Matthew 5 says. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand. And it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Jesus was describing people like Tabitha. Lights shine. Cities on a hill stand out. As a Christian, your light is shining wherever you go. You can't hide it. So your attitude has a lot to do with how people view you. You are a city on a hill. You, cities on a hill can be seen. They're meant to be seen. So what are people seeing when they look into your life as you claim to be a Christian, as you claim to follow Jesus, you can't show neutral. You're going to be seen. You, you can't put a hat on and, and make up and walk through the grocery store and hope you're not going to be seen as a Christian, so to speak, because you're the light of the world. Be ready to live for the glory of the God. Secondly, be ready to die for the glory of God. It's a good Mother's Day message, isn't it, right there? Be ready to die for the glory of God. Verse 38. Since Lydda was near Joppa, the disciples, hearing that Peter was there, sent two men to him, urging him, please come to us without delay. Why? Because they knew that in a matter of hours, Tabitha would be buried. It's a whole lot harder to raise someone from the grave than from the upper room. We know that she didn't die do something, doing something she shouldn't have been doing. 
She was living the life God had called her to live. She died while serving people to the glory of God. And the disciples were not hoping to prevent her death. They expected something possibly miraculous to happen. Imagine the void she would have left in that community. A woman who did so much for everyone, made clothes for people, and then she's gone. It would have been a huge hole, a huge void of blessing that would be missing. Verse 39, so Peter rose and went with them. And when he arrived, they took him to the upper room where her body was, of course, and all the widows stood beside him weeping and showing tunics and other garments that she had made while she was with them. This would be the equivalent of what our funeral visitation is. You all have been to those? And it was customary for widows and mourners to be there crying, mourning, and weeping to, to make sure that people had people crying for them. You could have a situation where nobody showed up. So there are people whose job was to mourn and cry. We don't really have that here, but that's what they did. But there are other people there who were crying because they loved her. They were, they, were, they were showing off what Tabitha had made. I can see it right now. Well, you know, she made this tunic for me. Look at this right here. Right? Well, she made this for me too. Oh, look at that right there. Just exchanging stories, talking about her life, crying, talking about how God had used her to bring glory for God. And her death, people talked about Tabitha and her work for the Lord. You know, I've done a lot of funerals, and I'm sure I'll do a lot more. Uh, as I'm in ministry, funerals all have similar elements, very similar elements, but they're all different. They're all very different because you're, you're dealing with different families and people. And by far the easiest, most joyful funerals I've been able to do uh, were, were ones where the deceased lived for the glory of God. The eulogies are easier. The sermons are easier to preach because the person lived for the glory of God. When I was in Columbia years ago as an associate pastor, I did a funeral for a man that had a church membership, but nobody really knew him, so it got passed down to me down the line because there's a bunch of pastors on staff. So as a young guy, I went and did it. And uh, it was difficult because there were three eulogies before me I didn't know if he was a Christian. No, no mention of Jesus was made at the funeral. Each of the three eulogies came up, and they did all they could to try to find something nice to say about this man. It was sad. Like, I mean, they would, they, you know, well, you know, he didn't like that, or he didn't like this, or it was, it was all just, but it wasn't even funny stories. It was sad. And it's my turn to get up and preach the gospel. Right? which I did because I didn't know who he was. When you die and people go to your funeral, are they going to struggle to say something about you? Nice. Are they going to struggle to say something about you following Christ and living for the glory of God? Don't make it awkward for the people at your funeral. Live for and die for the glory of God. Live and die for the glory of God. And finally, number three, be ready to be raised for the glory of God. Be ready to be raised for the glory of God. Verse 40, 
But Peter put them all outside, and he knelt down, and he prayed. Or what he prayed. Dear Lord, <laughs> perform this miracle that only you have the power to, to perform. And I, I bet he said something like this, perform it for your glory. I guarantee you he did. And he turned to the body and he said, Tabitha, I imagine he felt strange saying it. Tabitha, arise. Her eyes opened. Well, it seems like something out of a horror movie, doesn't it? But it wasn't because it was a miracle. Her eyes opened. She saw Peter and she sat up. Now she'd been lying down for a while, so he gave, him her, he gave her his hand. <laughs> Raised her up. And then called all the saints, all the people of God and the widows. Called them in and said, come in here. I present to you Tabitha. Can you imagine? Can you imagine the scene. Amazing. And of course, verse 42, it became known throughout all that town. And because of her life, because of her death, and because of this resurrection, many believed in the Lord. Amen? Many believed in the Lord. Her death brought people to faith. Her death allowed this resurrection, and when people saw this unmistakable sign of God's power, they realized that they had been the presence of God, and they came to faith. Now, one thing that it's interesting to think about is for Tabitha, it probably wasn't all that great. Think about it. She was about to be with Jesus. Now she's alive again. And now she has the unenviable experience of having to die a second time. Think about that. She got sick and died. And now she's going to have to live and then she's going to have to die again. She's already experienced it once. And I imagine as she approached that second death, she knew that it would be the last and she knew this time that she had finally defeated what the Bible calls the sting of death. Look at 1 Corinthians 15. Paul said, for this perishable body, this body that dies, it must put on the imperishable. That's going to be a new body, a new resurrected body. And this mortal body must put on immortality. When the perishable puts on the imperishable and the mortal puts on immortality, then shall come to pass the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? It's nowhere. The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, Paul says, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain as you bring glory to God in your life. See, God sent his son, Jesus, to the world to rescue us from death, 
to forgive us of our sins. Through his life, he did all sorts of works, all sorts of miracles. He taught people about the kingdom of God, and he said, repent and be baptized. You'll be saved. Then he was killed. Why? Because he had to be. Because it's the only way we could be made right with God. The, the, the punishment that we earned because of our sin was poured out on the cross of Jesus Christ. That's what the love of God did. Sacrificed his own son so that we might be sons and daughters of God. And on the third day, just a few weeks ago, we celebrated Easter. What did he do? Like Tabitha, he raised from the dead. But his resurrection, Jesus never died again. He ascended to heaven where he is reigning at the right hand of the Father. And one day we'll come back. One day we'll come back and take God's people with him. If you've never placed your faith in Jesus Christ before, today is the day that he can save you. And then you can have a bigger meaning in your life than just living for yourself. You can live for the glory of God. If you're a believer, that's what you're called to do. And this Mother's Day, we're all going to do our best to serve our mothers. They deserve it. God gave us mothers for a reason. But we're not going to forget that we do that because that too brings glory to God and to Jesus who saves us. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for who you are and what you've given us. We thank you for Mother's Day, which is a time where for many of us, we get to serve. Some of us don't serve enough, Father. Children, husbands can serve the mothers in their lives. We do this because we can, because we love them, and we love you. So, Father, we thank you so much for what you've given us. And, Lord, as we close this time together, Lord, I pray that you would search our hearts and give us what we need today. Let us leave here glorifying you, Father. Let us be mindful of that. We ask these things in Jesus' name.